The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week... On the Chicago Bears review, after back-to-back road wins, our beloved return to Soldier Field, where they take on the Peyton Manningless Denver Broncos in hopes of extending their winning streak and finishing their sweep of the AFC West. Can the Bears pounce on the wounded Broncos, or will they fall victim to a stampede? Lori Lattimore-Volkman from SB Nation's Mile High Report joins us for the Week 11 preview of the Chicago Bears review. Boy, that opening was a uh, was a mouthful, wasn't it? I was uh, I didn't know what I was going to run out of first. I didn't know if I was going to run out of time on the song, or if I was going to run out of breath before I got all those words out. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. Back the Week Eleven Preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and as I said, Lori Lattimore Volkman will be with us a little bit later on to uh, talk about this game between the Bears and the Broncos. What to expect. Um, which actually is kind of a mystery at this point uh, for the most part because Brock Osweiler is going to be starting instead of Peyton Manning uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, not a lot of tape on Brock Osweiler, especially against um, NFL caliber people. I mean, granted, Osweiler's had plenty of time to play in the uh, in the preseason, but that's mostly against, you know, at best, second, third string guys uh, when he's been out there uh, in relief of uh, Peyton Manning uh, in the preseason. So, um, you know, seeing what he looks like against regular starters, not a lot of tape out there. This will be his first game as a starter, you know, so he'll uh, he'll be out there from uh, from moment one. And, you know, when a few weeks ago after the Broncos handed it to Green Bay, I really wasn't looking forward to this game too much. Um, just because the, the the Broncos with their defense, which is still number one uh, in the NFL, uh, with Peyton Manning having the revelation that he had against Green Bay and how he was masterful and like like Peyton looked like Peyton again, um, you know this one kind of had me shaking in my boots and uh, wondering how bad a beating we were going to suffer, um, you know win lose or draw that we'd be pretty beat up going into the Green Bay game, which they may, may still happen, but obviously. People like our chances in this game a lot more now than we did a few weeks ago with Peyton down, the Broncos are reeling, and, um, you know, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting at the very least. Um, you know, this Bears team has uh, a ton of fight in them, and, and the Broncos are definitely on roller skates at the moment. And, um, you know, I, I, I breached the subject with, with Lori, and she doesn't think that it's going to be a factor, but keep in mind that the Broncos are playing the Patriots next week. And that is a huge, huge game uh, for them, for supremacy in the AFC, even though the, the Patriots have a couple-game lead uh, on them right now, sitting undefeated at 9-0 and while the Broncos are 7-2. and But, um, you know, a win is a win, and if it comes down to it and they're tied, 
that head-to-head tiebreaker is gonna gonna decide who gets home field and who doesn't uh, in the AFC. So um, you know it's a very interesting development uh, with uh, with that, and that they very well could be looking towards New England more than they are this game on the road against Chicago. I mean, because in the scheme of things. You know, head to you know as far as uh, you know records and such. Obviously, it matters. The Broncos want to win as many games as possible. But the Patriots game, it's a conference game. It could determine home field advantage is far more important than facing the Bears uh, on Sunday. So one could only hope that possibly, you know, the team as a whole. You know, Osweiler isn't looking ahead. That would be foolish of him. But the team as a whole could be looking ahead, or maybe they hold back some because they don't want to give New England you know, tape uh, to use on them uh, next week. So just something to keep in the back of your mind that uh, maybe New England is looking forward and maybe looking past the Bears to get ready for the Patriots uh, next week, or Denver is, I should say, not New England. Anyway, you know, it is uh, it is an interesting time that we're in right now. And, um, you know, the Bears are 4-5, and five, and anyone who's watched this team play over the last seven weeks – uh, would six seven weeks would, would absolutely have to think that they should be uh, better than that record wise at least one game better at least one you know maybe they don't win both the Detroit and Minnesota games but they should have won at least one of those games and unfortunately they lost them both to be sitting at five and four instead of four and five changes a lot of things especially in the NFL this year I think I read a tweet from I think maybe it was Ed Werder from ESPN that said that there are only 11 teams at 500 or better right now, which is the lowest amount of teams in, I don't know, I think since 1990 or something like that, uh, the lowest amount of teams with a 500 record or better this late in the season. So, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a um, I don't want to say mediocre. I, I, if anything, it, it kind of speaks to the strength of the league that everybody's beating each other. Uh, in this you know maybe it depends on how you want to look at it I guess but uh, the fact that there are only 11 teams out of 32 with a 500 or better record in the league you know really kind of says a lot and it also you know says that it's it's still pretty much anybody's game as far as getting into the playoffs this year I mean the freaking Texans won on uh, Monday night they beat the Bengals ending their undefeated uh, season but um, that win put the Texans I believe at four and five and puts them in a first place tie with the Colts. That's where the AFC South is right now. You know, the uh, the Giants are, you know, going into are finally on their bye week this week. We're five and five and they're in first place in the NFC East. You know, I think if the if the Eagles win this week, they'll be tied for first place uh, with the Giants. The the um, the Cowboys who are two and seven, they've lost seven in a row since Romo got hurt and Roma will be back this weekend or so that we've been led to believe but at two and seven they're still only like two and a half games out of first place right now they still have a chance to go on a run and win their division so it, it's uh you know it's it's still anybody's game it's this the, the 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 end of the season this this whole league could look completely different from the way it looks now. There's a lot of football still left to be played and you know if the Bears can get on a consistent streak not even even so much winning and losing but just 
a consistent performance week in and week out instead of kind of the up and down that they've been doing, especially against the Rams, the slow start they had before the defense came to life in the second quarter and, and held firm after that, you know, getting a bit more consistent there and obviously minimizing the mistakes on special teams and penalties, which is something that we did across the board on Sunday, aside from Mariani's fumble, you know, the bears could make a run at this thing. And especially with, the schedule, the way that it's starting to turn out, obviously Denver and Green Bay, that's a daunting, daunting, uh, you know, pair of games, especially with them being virtually back to back this week. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you coming? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. But, you know, I think I mentioned it on the, on the review show the other day. We are catching these teams at the absolute right time. Denver is struggling. They've lost two in a row. Peyton Manning is down. They might be looking ahead to New England because it's a more more important conference game for them next week. Green Bay, on the other hand, lost three in a row. Rodgers is struggling, doesn't trust his receivers. The offensive line isn't blocking. They can't run the football. You know, <laughs> we're on the upswing while everybody seems to be, you know, like we're passing each other. The Bears are going up. The other teams are coming down. Like I said, this could be the best time to be playing the the Broncos uh, and the uh, and the Packers. And then we've got San Francisco, Washington, um, Tampa Bay, Detroit. Those are all winnable games. The only one that's questionable is Minnesota. And that's only really questionable because it's on the road at Minnesota where the Bears don't win. So, um, you know, it's still anybody's still anybody's game and uh, a lot of things can happen. The Bears could make this could be one of those teams that goes 0 three and somehow lands in the playoffs. If we can manage to keep playing as well as we've been playing and get the bounces that will help us get the wins uh, from, uh, you know, on a more consistent basis. So don't lose faith yet, Bear fans. It's week 11. There's still a lot of football left to be left to be played. So. I uh, just want to go into a couple of things uh, uh, real quick. Uh, we're going to have our little injury report, plus a little interesting something that I read about Matt Forte when I was on uh, break from work uh, today. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right into a little, uh, just give it a few minutes for a little news and notes for week number 11. 
One of the more interesting things I read while trolling the headlines today was a uh, an article about Matt Forte and his progress with his uh, knee injury and whether he might play uh, on Sunday. It kind of uh, it was by Jeff Dickerson uh, on ESPN, um, the ESPN Zone page for the uh, for the Bears, um, asking Forte how he felt about becoming the forgotten man over the last couple of weeks, especially with the way that Langford has played. Uh, in his stead he's been he's been he's out forte'd Matt Forte the last couple of weeks you know 70 yards rushing 100 yards receiving this past Sunday against the Rams uh, and everything and, and Forte said he got a big smile on his face and um, you know um, it's it's uh, obviously with the situation being that I'm in my contract year my last year it's obvious that the storyline is that's the storyline that's going to come up Chicago is kind of like that. We'll see you later, Matt. But I'm like, hey, I've been here going on eight years, and you're just going to throw me to the side like that? But that's the nature of the NFL. I don't mind. I'll play wherever I end up after that. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, he says he doesn't mind, but it it kind of sounds like he does, you know, like he maybe he's feeling unappreciated. And I wouldn't say that Matt Forte is unappreciated. I don't think that's the the problem or the attitude, especially not by me. I mean, I know that I honestly have not been, um, you know, shy at all about the fact that I would prefer to see Langford out there more and that, you know, I I am very prideful in the fact that I pretty much called my shot saying that, you know, we weren't going to miss Forte if Langford got to play instead of him, and we haven't thus far. Uh, but that's not to say that we don't miss Matt Forte. You know what I mean? Um, if having him and Langford in the game at the same time is fantastic. If 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 anything, this has served to improve as we go forward from here. When Forte comes back, obviously he's going to be the starter again. But obviously we can't just constantly we, we can't just toss Langford out there every once in a while. Now we got to mix him in and make him part of the regular. Uh, game plan and even Forte said so in a uh, in basically it was the same subject but a different uh, different outlet that I read it it kind of went into the fact that he's you know he's pleased to have seen Fort to have seen Langford uh, playing that well which he said you know obviously he'll be in there you know could get him into the game more and I won't have to be out there every single down uh, playing it sounds like he almost wants to share the load a little bit and I think that that speaks to two things number one he wants to be fresher as the season gets longer and number two he doesn't want to take that every single down beating so he can be as fresh as possible when he turns 30 and tries to become a free agent at the end of the year so um, you know he's uh, he's definitely made his mark and um, you know he'll go down uh, very high on the discussion as far as all-time Bear uh, running backs. It's just that right here, right now, I think Langford is the guy we need uh, over over Forte. And, uh, you know, I think that Matt sees the writing uh, on the wall with the way that Langford has played. Uh, you know, and in the two games that we've missed Matt Forte, we won them both. We won both of those games. So, you know, that uh, that, that also kind of speaks for itself. Uh, as well so we'll see how it all turns out uh, from here but I just thought it was funny because the um, the, the the title of the um, the article that I read was you just gonna throw me to the side like that was the was the quote as the headline of it I was like oh I have to read this and then I went ahead and, and checked it out to see uh, what Forte was uh, 
you know, bitching about. It. I mean, obviously he could be saying it in a, in a very funny way or comedic way, you know, and just how the, the context of the of the quote and how it was taken. But the way that it reads, it it kind of reads like he's like he's whining about like, you know, how could y'all do this to me? You know, like he like I said, like he's feeling uh, unappreciated uh, and everything. But he is right about one thing. That is the nature of the NFL. It is a what have you done for me lately uh, league and lately he's been on the bench while his backup has been tearing it up so that's why uh, Langford is getting all the love but you know the moment the minute that Forte comes back and does something Matt Forte-ish all will be forgiven and you know we'll be in love with Matt Forte again so uh, you know that's he he has to know that he has to know that once you know if he gets back out on the field and he starts playing lights out then hey all's good but until he does and Langford is doing it all doing all the things he can do but much younger and much cheaper uh than him then hey that sounds like the guy we want to keep going forward so but for me it's it's their running styles and i have you know i could talk till i'm blue in the face i actually do even talk about it a bit with uh with Lori because she asked me if forte is going to play this week and we kind of talk about it for a bit uh there so um the other thing obviously is the injury report and um i was just looking at it on the bears uh, website here Um, There are a ton of names on the Bronco injury report. The only thing is most of them are healthy. Um, Every, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys on the injury list have, you know, are, are listed with injuries, but all nine of them were full participation both days of practice this week. So, that would lead me to believe that they're on the list because they have something lingering or something nagging. But if you're full go in practice, obviously you're not hurting too bad. You know, it's kind of like if anybody's ever seen that movie, The Program, came out in the early 90s, you know, where the coach asked the running back who just got laid out, he's like, well, are you hurt or are you injured? And he wants to, like, what's the difference? Well, the difference, if you're hurt, you can still play. If you're injured, then you can't. He's like, well, these guys are hurt. They're not injured. Injured, on the other hand, would be what Vance Walker, the defensive end for the Broncos, is with a shoulder injury. DeMarcus Ware with a back injury. Sing all the praises in the world for a back injury for DeMarcus Ware because that means he probably won't be chasing after Jay Cutler uh, on Sunday. Uh, Antonio Smith, another defensive end, suffering with a hip injury, has been not practicing at all this week. Emmanuel Sanders with an ankle injury out of practice on Wednesday, limited today. So we'll see where that puts him. Uh, you'll hear Lori talk about uh, saying that uh, Peyton and Emmanuel Sanders should probably not have played last week against the Chiefs but tried to gut it out, and it didn't work. Obviously, Peyton Manning is on this uh, is on the injury wrist, uh, list, did not play foot and rib cage uh, injuries, but it's that, that um, uh, what's it called, plantar fasciitis that is keeping him out. I think he would survive with the rib injury. It's the... It's the foot injury that's keeping him out. And then tight end Owen Daniels, nursing knee and shoulder injuries, was out on Wednesday, limited uh, today. So those are the people that are most likely in danger of not playing uh, on Sunday. But we'll see how that all uh, shakes out. Um, On the Bears side of things, uh, Jermon Bushrod with a shoulder injury has finally been in full participation. Uh, Charles Leno has been starting in his uh, place the last several weeks. We'll see the fact that he appears to be, you know, as close to 100% as you can get because he's been limited for several weeks with the shoulder injury. See if that has any um, has any sway on whether or not he plays on Sunday. Uh, Matt Forte, ironically, did not practice today. 
he was saying that's because it wasn't a good thing for his knee. The Bears are actually practicing indoors because it's been very windy, uh, you know, cold, hard winds in the Midwest, and uh, they held practice inside the Walton Pay- Walter Payton uh, Center uh, today. So Forte decided to take it easy on the knee on the uh, on the harder f- uh, turf surface that they have uh, indoors. Haronis uh, Grassu, Shay McClellan, Antro Roll all limited uh, in practice this week. Uh, Grassu is the only one who hasn't been playing uh, since uh, nursing that nick injury he suffered in practice a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey was limited on Wednesday, did not practice today. Groin and shoulder injuries. Don't know where the shoulder injury came from, but that's been added to the uh, to the um, injury list and uh, what's going on with him. And uh, Pernell McPhee and Eddie Royal, both with knee injuries, have not practiced yet uh, this week. McPhee was telling people in, in, in the media today that he feels great, that he feels fine. So I'm hoping that means he'll practice tomorrow and play on Sunday because we need McPhee to get after Brock Osweiler uh, on Sunday. So I think that's going to do it for our injury uh, report. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to this game. I'm, I'm really liking the Bears' chances uh, for, for winning. And I, I think that we've got a good shot at the very least to keep this thing uh, interesting. And, and it's it's a prime opportunity for the Bears to steal one of these games because when even when the schedule came out, even the most optimistic Bear fans saw losses against Denver and Green Bay uh, on, on the schedule. So, you know, the fact that we could possibly steal one of these games and get back to a 500 record and, uh, you know, get poised for the last six games where we'll probably be favored to win at least four of them, you know, it could make things very, very interesting as we head down the stretch uh, of the uh, of the season. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll talk. I'll touch a bit on it a bit more after our talk with uh, with Lori. I uh, talked with her yesterday morning just before I went off to uh, work, had a nice conversation. Lori's a lot of fun, man, and she loves her team. And um, so what do we say we go ahead and dive right in to our conversation with Lori Lattimore-Volkman from, U- from SB Nation's Mile High Report, talking Bears-Broncos week number 11. All right, and, and joining us once again, we had her back on uh, earlier in the summer during our opponent preview episodes, Lori Lattimore Volkman from the Mile High Report on SB Nation. Lori, welcome back to the Chicago Bears Review. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, Lori, the Broncos on the schedule, um, you know, with looking at them, having them week number 11, they're late in the season, especially with us playing the Packers four days after that on Thanksgiving, Ooh. not looking forward to having them come in. Uh, to, even though it was going to be a game at Soldier Field, um, you know, especially after a 7-0 and start, the way that they just murdered and manhandled the Packers a couple of weeks ago. But here we are. They're coming into Chicago. They're underdogs, or they, it's a pick em game for the, those of you with, that like to d- d- do the whole Vegas thing. Um, <laughs> you know, here they are. They're coming in. Peyton Manning's not playing. Osweiler starting his first game ever. They're reeling from back-to-back losses. You know, what do you think you'd come in into Sunday against a team that is kind of riding high at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm always a little more sort of modest in my predictions with the Broncos than most fans, I think. Even when 
even last week when most fans were thinking this is gonna this is the game that we just blow the Chiefs away. We're at home. All these things are going for us despite having some people out. Um, we're gonna bounce back and be angry after that Indianapolis game, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm always like, games are hard, and you're there. Every team has good players, and you just you just have to be careful with being so sure that you're gonna win. And so I've always felt like going into Chicago to play this time of year, playing your, you know, a team that has your former coaches. There's a, a lot of emotions that would go into that game anyway. And now you guys are riding high and we're coming off two bad losses, two emotional games, an emotional week with benching your starting future Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> well, there's some spark there and probably a little, you know, a little motivation too. It's also coming off some hard games. And so I think to go to an away game and, and really play well, is going to take a lot of, a lot of mojo from those guys. So I, I am not surprised at all about being an underdog going into Chicago. Overall, how is the, the switch to Osweiler from Manning being viewed? I mean, Peyton, it's, it's clear that Peyton's been playing hurt, especially last week uh, against uh, Kansas city. I mean, is it being viewed as as an improvement just because uh, just the fact alone yes. that Osweiler is healthy, or is it because I think? Oh, sorry. It's it is it is very much a. I think for you have you have several different sort of camps of fans. Um, from so, if you're looking at the fans first, the people who love Peyton Manning and and believe he is the the best answer for our team as quarterback you know have thought that all season even when there had been some questions um that camp i think recognizes he's hurt he absolutely can't play at this level i mean he can't we can't put him out there and expect him to succeed especially with our offensive line issues especially with our running game struggling peyton manning isn't the peyton manning who can carry his entire offense anymore and he's hurt on top of that so he just it's a bad scenario for him. So I think even his, you know, his just biggest supporters recognize this is not a good scenario for him to be playing. The people who have always been skeptical of him being the quarterback this year and who've wanted to, to put Osweiler in are kind of ecstatic because, you know, it's, it's sort of a good way for him to come in. Peyton is hurt, so it's an obvious need for Osweiler. It's not like some big quarterback controversy. So he has natural um, support from his teammates, too. It's like, this, this is the guy we have to go with. Peyton's hurt. There's no, we're not trying to choose which quarterback is better right now based on who we like or, or whatever. It is, it is just because Peyton's hurt, Osweiler needs to come in. And, and so they're very, very happy about that. I think the team... I think they have, they're definitely um, supportive of Osweiler. I think, I don't think there's, I, I think you could read into a lot of comments and try to figure out if they think this is the move to go with all the time or if Peyton really should, you know, should, should be the one. That's, that's not for me to say, you know, it's easy to read too much into comments. But I do think what the team thinks is Peyton is our leader. Peyton's hurt. He needs to get healthy. So, for next week and maybe a couple weeks, Brock Osweiler is the guy, and we're gonna we're gonna do our best and 
you know, play the play the playbook that that we can help him the best. So I think all around it's actually been very positive. The only the only negative is this conflict with fans where you just you hate to see Peyton Manning go like this. So you hope that it is really just injury and that injuries and getting healthy will bring him back to be to be good enough to be really good, you know, as the starting quarterback. It's hard to say. And so I think until that factor's figured out, um, at least everyone can kind of feel solace in thinking he needs to get healthy. We need Osweiler. We're all 100% behind that. Yeah, actually, it's, I mean, it. the the the, the funny thing is you guys have been winning uh, despite, I mean, because I know this is something that's been brewing all season because Peyton hasn't been Peyton for the majority uh, of the uh of the season, but it very much probably hits home for a lot of Bears fans because, you know, Jay Cutler has always been our best option at quarterback, especially since he's joined the team. But despite that, yeah. there are people out there that hate Jay Cutler and don't want him on the team anymore and, you know, want him gone. And uh, this year have been trying, have basically having to eat crow because Cutler's playing at a Pro Bowl level uh, this year. He's not making the same mistakes that he's been making year in and year out. And, you know, to, to watch him do that and watch the Bears succeed probably sucks for those guys. Whereas, uh, <laughs> you know, this year it's probably been difficult for all the, the, the Peyton haters, if you will, wanting him not to be out there or that he's too old and whatnot, waiting for Osweiler to take over. The Broncos have been winning despite the fact that Peyton has exactly been Peyton this year. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think it's the – the the best case scenario is is still tricky. So, <laughs> well, this year was always going to be, I think, interesting for lack of a better word, because of all the questions around Peyton Manning, and some of what's been happening is his fault, and some of it isn't. So it's hard to separate that sometimes. And I think it's been creating just all this consternation among our fans, and it's so irritating to me. That they do this constantly instead of being happy about wins. If you read our blog those first seven weeks, you you might have thought we were zero and seven, <laughs> even though we were seven and zero, because people were still mad. Except for the Green Bay game, that was the one game where everybody was really optimistic and pretty happy. So, how disappointing was it to see uh, Peyton regress after? the Green Bay game because he finally Peyton finally looked like Peyton he he was he was yeah. accurate he was deadly he was you know he was just awesome in that game against the team where people you know were 50-50 on whether or not the Broncos would be able to pull that off and they murdered Green Bay that night which was awesome to watch <laughs> for a Bear fan by the way um, right. you know right. the, the big 6 and 0 versus 6 and 0 matchup and it didn't even look like I you know didn't even look like Green Bay was remotely supposed to be in that thing just Aaron Rodgers worst day ever I mean I know the defense played a huge part in that but Peyton Manning was still close to perfect in that game which you know is his reputation you know how disappointing yeah. was it to see and it for it to happen so fast for it to be the height and like Peyton finally looked like Peyton I think we're finally there we finally got it done the offensive line finally blocked for him got things done and then only to have Kansas City happen in such a short span right well two things I mean obviously it was obviously it was a huge bummer that Indianapolis game um that game I was I was really hoping Peyton would break his record in that game at Indy I just 
thought that would be nice poetic justice. Um, and of course, it's like to beat Indy. So to me, that game was, that was disappointing. But then this week was just baffling because it was, because it was so much worse. But what it, I think for me, and I think for a lot of fans, the one, one of the things that that shows us the Green Bay to the Kansas City is that it clearly Peyton actually can still be, is still really good. I mean, that Green Bay game was not just a fluke. And the previous game, Peyton had shown good things. And you could explain away some of his mistakes. I mean, some of them are his mistakes. They just are. And some bad decisions and some other things. But a lot of it was offensive line. A lot of it was, you know, being hurried constantly. And you could see that in that Green Bay game when he had, when he, when the, like you said, the offensive line was blocking for him, he was accurate. He was good. He had long, deep passes that were good. He had short passes. They spread the ball around. We had a running game. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. I don't know if it was just for Pat Bowen or what. <laughs> it was really, it was really a nice game to watch. Then to go to what we did in two weeks, I think what that says to me is injuries really do make a big difference. Peyton Manning didn't just get two weeks older and suddenly crash to the bottom like that without having other injuries be the you know a big reason for his his sudden you know terrible play. I I do think he should be blamed a little bit for that. He, I think he's used to carrying the team so much. He's used to being the guy that that needs to be there for the team to win. And he's a competitor. So no competitor wants to sit out. No competitor wants to say, hey, coach, I don't think I can play this week. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're not wired that way. And thank goodness for that because that's the kind of guy you need late in the game when you, when you need to come back and win. And we did that the first six weeks. Peyton didn't play great, but he played well enough and he had some good plays and he had some good management of the team to get us in position to win or to keep us from losing <laughs> or, to, or to be good enough that the defensive you know, miracles that we had could help us win. So, I, you know, he, he, he's used to that and he is a competitor and that's great. But last week... He made a mistake. He he needed to be thinking of the team and thinking of his health and maybe recognizing that it was leading to disaster and be a little more honest with kind of the injuries, he, you know, the pain he was feeling because he didn't practice all week till Friday. Then they put him in the game and, and clearly, it, I mean, it became obvious that that shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have started with Manning being in the game probably. And maybe even at halftime, Kubiak should have made the decision rather than midway through the third quarter. So, as I know I'm taking a long time to answer your question, but as depressing as it is to go from Green Bay to Kansas City, what it says to me is Peyton Manning isn't done as long as he's healthy. But he does need to be healthy, and we need him to be healthy. And so I'm in favor of what we're doing. And personally, and I wrote it on a comment on our blog this morning, I don't think we look at this as a one-week out. I, I mean, I think the Broncos should look at sitting them for three weeks, get them completely healthy, bring them back for the Raiders' home game, you know, start them at home, or maybe even San Diego, maybe for maybe do it at an away game, but a pretty pretty good environment. There's always a lot of Broncos fans in San Diego. And 
so that he so that he comes back and succeeds. If he comes back too early and we play New England and we get blown away by New England, fans are going to be up in arms. And I think the locker room could be in a little bit of shambles too. So I just think it's very clear he has to be healthy. But if he's healthy, I still think he's our best quarterback. So let's move on to the defensive side. Still the number one defense uh, in the league. Uh, but basically it's shown they were bulletproof after the Green Bay game. You know, only allowing 10 points to one of the best quarterbacks in the league, uh, to one of the more better, more productive offenses uh, in the league. What exactly did the Chiefs and the Colts, the you know, because you've lost the last two games, what did they figure out against the defense that literally no one else up to that point had been able to? Well, I think two things, you know, both, both those quarterbacks, you know, something Andrew Luck is known for, but not so much Alex Smith. But you know, they were if you 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 if you have just that extra couple of milliseconds to get away from the the pass rush, then our secondary is 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 tough. But if you get those short passes, particularly the tight ends, you know, those crossing routes in the middle, those will get us because we're. You know, we got guys going for the quarterback. They're past the line of scrimmage. We got guys downfield, but that middle is a nice big hole. <laughs> and I think for years, not just this year, that that is that one has eaten us alive. You know, Gronkowski's going to do it all down the field too. And you guys have a great tight end um, who is really, you know, showing some some big stuff lately. So I think. I think the I think both Kansas City and Indianapolis figured out you don't have to it's not the beat pass it's the it's the short ones in the uh, you know in the middle because our defense stopped the run for the most part on both those games too basically and um, but you know you get you get a couple of five six yard passes that turn into 13 15 yard plays and you're going to march down the field and score easily so I think that's that that kind of that always gets us. Not just this year, but definitely the last two games that has kind of been our Achilles heel. So I mean, is is this a team that that does uh, having trouble facing adversity? I mean, the last two weeks, you've had players getting suspended. T.J. Ward got ejected for punching somebody last week. Um, you know, I mean, is this a team that that after the first seven weeks kind of spoiled themselves with being able to dominate? Uh, and and then they're having trouble facing it the last uh, the last two weeks. Is is has that been anything that's been talked about lately? Yeah, not I, not so much from the team talking about it. You know, fans are talking about it. I my my personal belief is yeah. I think they got I think they got a little a little arrogant about being able to save the game. You know, I it's always good. You want your defense to be a little arrogant. You need them to come out and feel like they need to make plays, you know, and that was, that's been a complaint for the last few years with when we had Jack Del Rio, where the defensive goal was mostly just to, just to keep the other guys from scoring, but not to actually take the ball away or to, or to really go after the quarterback and really, you know, pressure the quarterback all day long. And so the aggressiveness this year has been really a breath of fresh air, and it and it's and it's led to several wins, you know, because of the defense. And so it's been it's been great, and it's it's great to celebrate that, and it's great to see the guys being a little cocky about, you know, 
recognizing they need to step up and make big plays and be tough. But I think I think I think there is a little bit of a, a coaching element that could happen there. Wade Phillips is a very hands off guy, which works well at some level. Um, but when you have all these different personalities and now a lot of these guys are are, are kind of pumping themselves up, I you know, it, you kinda need to rein that in a little bit and say, Look, <laughs> it's it's great to be aggressive out there. We are not gonna be a trashy team. We're not throwing punches, we're not you know, even if they do it to you. And you can see there's plenty there's plenty going on against the Broncos that doesn't get called and it's it can be frustrating, but that's not that does happen to every other team. So that would just be immature to be saying, you know, well he was holding me. <laughs> just be a man. Don't hit people. Don't poke them in the eye. So yeah, I think it's getting a little bit out of hand and I think it would it would be good if the coach and particularly the defensive coordinator would would step in and, you know, kind of act like a, a bit of a dad to these guys and say, Stop this right. <laughs> you know, or you're or I'll bench you. Right, uh, you're you're going to your room without dessert. That's all there is yeah, to it. That's right. No no cookies for you after the game. So um it's it's frustrating as a fan to watch that because we kind of like the reputation of being the good guys and, and always talking about the Raiders being the bad guys. But And I I don't want to defend Tlaib or T.J. Ward, but I, I do think, you know, Von Miller gets a bad rap sometimes. And I think some of our players, and I think the refs sometimes, are are letting things go against us and then picking us out on a few things. But, you know, no doubt, if you punch a player, if you poke him in the eye, <laughs> you need to be punished. I'm not, you know, that's, just, that's right. ridiculous. There's no place for that. So tell me, is looking at the at the schedule, and and on paper it looked a bit more daunting uh, than it has been uh, this year. Um, I this really hasn't something that 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 I've heard discussed at all. But it, you know, after the last two weeks, it kind of makes you wonder a little <laughs> bit. You know. You you played the Ravens, the Chiefs, the the Lions, the Raiders, the Browns. You know that's for the most part those are f- particularly easy uh, opponents. Uh, the Vikings are better than than some thought they were going to be this year. And then obviously the Packers game that was like the first you know like real solid opponent that they had this year. And then the fall the way they have the last two weeks. Has there been any talk? Actually, I've said that there wasn't. But you know, have you heard at all? <laughs> Any any rumblings of the Broncos being overrated at all? Because they've had somewhat of an easy schedule up until that Green Bay game. You know, that's where people were really starting to it's like, wow, the way that they play. Yeah, I think people people thought we were overrated the first the first five games. Okay. Then then when we beat the Packers, suddenly we were kinda of legit because we beat a good team. And then when the Packers went and lost the week after and we lost to the Colts then we were back to, well, that might have been a fluke, or maybe the you know the Packers aren't as good as we thought, or you know whatever. So I think the Broncos kind of they have that reputation, so we we have to fight that all the time. And I personally would prefer that. I don't like it when we start when people start putting us at the top to knock you know to be the one to knock off. I think we just have always played a little better if we have that. And I hate the cliche, but if we have the chip on our shoulder to show the world that we are good. Um, and when, as soon as 
as soon as everyone starts looking at it, hey, they're legit. I think, I do think it gets into the heads of the athletes, even if they don't think so. I'm, I'm sure it's very subtle and subconscious. But having been a competitive athlete, I I preferred to, to feel like people didn't know that I was any good or that I had a chance to be any good. Because then there was a little less pressure and you could, you felt a little more like just going for it all. And when you're on the top and everyone's gunning for you, I think you're a little more hesitant and a little more conservative. And, you know, the best competitors get over that and that doesn't happen. But it's still, you got 53 players that have to go out there and make that happen. And I think it, I think it, I, I think it, it's good to be, to not be thought of as the best all the time. So back to the to the offensive side of things, um, one of the things that usually helps when you've got a young guy making his first start is you tend to rely more on the run game, uh, you know, so as to not you know put the game all on on your your young guys uh, back. You guys are twenty ninth twenty ninth in the league uh, on the ground. I mean, how how much are you guys expecting Osweiler to be able to do uh, on Sunday or you know going forward if it, if it happens to be that way? Well, you know, the thing with Osweiler is it's so hard to know because what you guys have seen is about as much as we've seen, too. Right. You know, so, but I, I, you know, I had to admit at the game the other day, I was impressed with what he could do. And, you know, maybe at the end of the game, Kansas City probably let up a little bit, um, even if they didn't mean to. It's just the end of the game and their defense was probably tired. And there was no pressure um, at that point. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like they didn't, they probably weren't really, <laughs> you know, playing the hardest because they, you know, they pretty much had a, a lock on that win. But we ran the ball better once Osweiler got in, and I'm sure that's a little bit because he can, you know, he can he could extend the play. He could he escaped a couple of sacks. He got sacked, but he also escaped a few. He made throws that, you know, that got us first downs and got us a few yards. So suddenly, you know, the, the, the Chiefs have to respect that pass, but they also have to respect the fact that Osweiler could escape and run. So he kind of helped that run game, you know, and then the, the running backs did a little bit better. You know, whether we can keep that up against the Bears defense, it'll, it'll be really interesting. I think every Broncos fan is really interested to see what's going to happen <laughs> on Sunday because we know about as much as you know. But I, I think there's a, I think also Kubiak will be a little more insistent about right, – will be a little more insistent about um, making that run game go from the beginning. So I would expect to see a, a better run game this week. Uh, I would probably agree with you because the Bears are fourth against the pass in the league, but twenty fifth uh, against the run. Yeah. So I, I would think that uh, that Kubiak would try to try his best to get the run game going and take as much pressure off of Osweiler as he possibly uh, could. So speaking of of coaches, obviously we have John Fox now, and <laughs> um, just to lighten things up a little bit, I do have a favorite John Fox quote for you. Oh, good. I was hoping you would. <laughs> yeah. First, before we get to that, let me ask you, was was he as stingy with injury news in Denver as he has been in Chicago? Because we thought we thought that Lovey was uh, vague about injury news. This John Fox takes it up to Jedi level compared to Lovey. It's, it's really re- quite remarkable. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he was. He was. He just spoke in a lot of cliches and vague terms all the time. I okay. mean, it wasn't just injuries. So, so I, what, what's your favorite? What did he say? Oh, my favorite was uh, week three. We played uh, at Seattle against the Seahawks. It was the one game that, that Jimmy yeah. Clausen started offensively. It was an absolute disaster. He was just... He was awful. Yeah. Um, we lost the game uh, 26 to nothing, and John Fox comes into the press conference and says, you have to score more than zero to win. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I didn't see him say it, but I remember like, the headline. I just, I just, you know, it's like, I don't know if that's supposed to be, like, really deep or just, you know, like, yep, as about as uh, obvious as the nose on your face, Coach. Thanks for that one. Uh but that's that's been my favorite one that he's served up thus far was you have to score uh, more than zero to win. Yeah. It's like really. Well, wait, just, wait till he pulls out the it's it's the thing behind your left nipple, nipple folks. Yes, that's, that's yes, what you got to have a lot of. That's that's yeah, that's gonna be fun to when he finally drops that gem on us. That oh would be, my uh, goodness. That would be great. Please record it for me and send it to me when he yes, shows up. I will absolutely. <laughs> absolutely do that so so Lori, what what do you think that we're going to see from from the broncos on offense this week i think you'll see a lot of play action i think you'll see rollouts i think you'll see a running game i think i'm actually pretty optimistic about about osweiler um and and kind of excited i'd love to see him succeed um even though part of me wants really wants I really want Peyton to, to go out this year on a good note. I hate I would hate for last week to be his last game ever. Right. So, so I you know I I want Osweiler to do well for him and for the future of the franchise. I want the Broncos to win. I still want Peyton to come back and you know win the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> can I ask for all those things? I don't know. But but I think I think we'll see. I, I think we'll see a much a much more varied offense this week. Um, and so I honestly, it's a, a bit of an advantage for us to have in a way to be coming into play it, you guys. And you don't know what we're going to do either because <laughs> nobody, does. I mean, nobody knows what to expect really. Right. So, but I think what you'll see is more of a traditional Kubiak offense. So you, you know, from that standpoint, you probably do have, you know, there's certainly things to expect like, the play action and the rollout and and a and a definitely more heavy focus on the run game. And it's you know like you said with the with the Bears run defense, this is the week for us to do it. If we're if we're going to ever commit to this, and we need to, we have absolutely got to do it with either quarterback. We, we got to start. You know that's what Kubiak said when he came in. We're going to have a we're going to do it. We're going to have a run heavy offense, and we're going to do a hybrid and all this stuff for Manning. But even with that, it was still going to be more run, and we just. You know, we we only did it really in that Packers game. How are you guys doing injury wise? I know that um, that Demarcus Ware uh, got hurt in the uh, in the Colts game and, and things like that. How how are the injuries uh, uh, going so far? Uh, you know, we're a little beat up. I would say um, Emmanuel Sanders is hurt, and I feel like last week, you know, really Manning and Sanders probably shouldn't have played. I I'm I'm sure we. We did it because there we're at home. Peyton needs three yards to get a record. It's you know everyone's saying they're fine, but I, you know sometimes I think coaches need. I wish coaches would be more 
I wish our trainer would be more conservative about holding guys when they're injured. You can watch you can watch Emmanuel Sanders after every play. He's limping a little bit with his bad ankle, and you know he wasn't as fast. He, you know he, he he was getting beat. He tripped up, and that's one of our interceptions was him falling on the ground first. So you know I think that one was more on him than on Peyton. So he's he's hurt, and I don't know if he's how he's going to be this week, but um. He's definitely not 100%. Where is out? Um, I think, uh, you know, well, obviously Manny's out. Our running backs seem to be getting back to being healthy, but they've been they've been injured. So I, I think we're kind of nicked up with a couple of big injuries to, you know, I mean, to some key guys. Like DeMarcus Ware is a big one. But overall, I'd say we're, we're you know, we're probably a good 80%. Yeah, because the, the Bears are pretty much the same way. A lot of... A lot of key guys uh, nicked up for the most part, but uh, you'll probably see them play. Uh, yeah, anyway. Forte so, playing. You know, that's a good question. They haven't practiced yet. Today will be the first time that they do. Yeah. But I don't think any Bear fan is rushing him out on the field after the way Jeremy Langford has played uh, the last two yeah. weeks. Me being number one on that list. <laughs> um, I've been uh, been. I, I was. I fell in love with Langford during the preseason, and he, granted, he was doing against third and fourth uh string guys it was just the way that he ran the ball that i was really impressed with and wanted to see more of it on the field yeah. so forte going down was a good thing as to far that we would be forced to play langford more heavily now and it's what right. i was hoping to see when when he finally got his uh his shot so i mean uh is that how people are kind of feeling with with Osweiler, they've they've liked what they've seen from him in preseason and you know whatever duty he's been out there. And now that Peyton's down, he's out on the field. We're forced to see what you have with him. Yeah, I, I mean, like I said before, there there were plenty of fans who wanted to see him from the beginning of the season, um, right. and and then you know I think still most fans were were Peyton Peyton supporters, but even even those fans recognized. Peyton shouldn't be playing in this condition. And so given the little success that Osweiler did have at the end of the game, I think everybody's a little excited that, that at least our season, you know, it's not, it's not over just because Peyton's out. We have, you know, we possibly have potential, but <laughs> those two words are pretty, you know, possibly and potential is everything about this because it, we've just seen so little of him over the last four years. If Osweiler's play well, is Peyton going to get his job back? I'll tell you what. I think I, I think we're likely to have a quarterback controversy. If, if, if Osweiler plays great, and if he beats New England, you're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. It's just I don't know I don't know that it's I think it's just gonna be a tough thing all around. Kubiak's gonna have to make some hard decisions about really what he thinks is best and it, and you know whether he's been you know his whether he's been telling the truth these last few weeks where he says Peyton is our number one quarterback when he gets healthy he's our number one quarterback if Osweiler goes 3 and 0 the next couple of weeks and you know let's say he let's say he beats New England soundly I think you'd have a hard time putting Manning back in yeah, I think you'd have a hard time justifying that if um if Osweiler struggles then I think when Manning's healthy, it's a, you know it's a no-brainer. And if it's somewhere in between, then we're going to have a quarterback controversy. And I can't think of anything I hate more in NFL football than quarterback controversies. So 
I'm praying for one or the other of the, you know, really good or really bad so that it's an obvious choice. Right. No, I definitely uh, definitely understand that. Uh, the whole thing in, in 2013 with, with Cutler and Josh McCown and that there was pretty much no ah. drop-off whatsoever the four weeks that Cutler was out with that uh, – with the knee injury that he was down with and, and such, yeah. uh, just just a mess. It's like, guys, we always knew Cutler was going to get the job back, and people were freaking out when McCown had to take the bench uh, when Cutler came back and, and everything. So it's just, you know, yeah. common sense dictates that when Peyton's healthy again, he's going to play, but how much will Osweiler's success compound uh, that decision in the eyes uh, of the fans? So one last question for you. Lori, I actually was just just looked at the schedule beyond Chicago. I did not realize New England was next week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> has there been any talk? I mean, I know with with Osweiler and everything, that's pretty much been the, the headline this week. But has there been any talk about this being a possible trap game for Denver that they possibly might be looking past the Bears to New England because that's the game that's obviously more important for them? I don't, you know, I don't think so. When you're coming off two losses, I don't think there's a trap game anymore. Right, <laughs> I think right. our, our our trap game was Indy, or it was or it was KC. I think now we're feeling like, even though we're seven and two, right? That's a really good record, but it's also a vulnerable one when you're when you've gone zero and two. You know, you're, when your recent games were were losses and they were certain bad, hard losses, and you recognize that you know that you're you're looking at you know issues with your quarterback. Like if we lose if we lose to the Bears, I think there'll be a real heightened sense of urgency because then you've got the best team in the NFL and and our nemesis, right? And so then you're going to really want to win that one. But it would be easy to justify losing. And so then you're down, you know, you're suddenly seven and four after going seven and zero. Oh. And, and so I think, in a way, this game is a game to really it, – it, it's not so much a trap game, but it definitely needs to be a game that we take very seriously, partly just to get back on track with your momentum going into the toughest game in the, uh, on the schedule. So, and then my last question uh, for you. Um, it, was, it was one of those rumor mill uh, articles that I saw a couple of weeks ago uh, looking forward to 2016 for whatever reason. I don't remember what the context was, but it was talking about Von Miller and his possible free agency for next year yeah. and the team that might possibly be number one on the list uh, because it reunites him with his former head coach, the guy that picked him, and because the Bears have a ton of cap space going into next year is obviously Chicago, and we're running a 3-4 now, so he'd be a perfect fit uh, for us. What is the likelihood that that um, that he would leave uh, Denver? Is there a possible? Because I know you guys probably have some salary cap issues of your own. Is it possible that you won't be able to afford Von Miller even with a franchise tag? It it is possible we won't be able to afford him. I hmm. I think Elway will fight pretty hard to keep him. You know, right. there be, there's some there's some guys that he just I think he you know he sets a line and he's not going over that. And and Elway's been really consistent about you know, not, not, you know, trying to really not overpay just because the market would allow it um, or not keep a guy, even though, you know, even though he probably is worth it in the market, but not, not worth it to the Broncos. But I think Von Miller's not that guy. Von Miller would be a guy he's going to, he's going to try to keep, you know, he's, 
he's going to be like Demarius Thomas, but probably more so. It's John Elway's first first draft pick, and his first and, and a very successful one. So I think um, I think I think he will he will try his best to keep to keep Von Miller and to, to pay him as much as he can. But at the end of the day, you know, Miller is probably gonna is probably gonna look at um, the the money too, and and like you said, going. I would think he'll he'll want to go to a good situation. He'll want to go to a team on the upswing with a with a defense that allows him to do what he wants to do. Um, so I don't think he would just go to the the highest bidder. But I think you know Denver will have to be very competitive to keep him. Okay, well, I think that's uh, that's all we have for you uh, this week, uh, Lori. Um, thanks so oh, well, much. I have a question uh, for you. Okay. I just put Zach Miller on my fantasy team. Is he gonna is he gonna do me right? You know what? Um, <laughs> I don't. I, I I love Zach Miller. Believe me, I've been I've been singing his praises since the preseason <laughs> last year before he got hurt. But you know, I I don't want to say it was a fluke, but I don't think you can expect that from him uh, each and every week. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, aside from that, that one touchdown reception he had, the 87-yarder at the beginning of yeah, the game, yeah. the rest of his contribution was four catches for 18 yards. So it's, uh, I mean, granted, one of those four catches was a second touchdown pass, but, uh, you know, I, I don't right. know. I mean, he's building a trust level with Cutler, so that's definitely happening, but uh, I don't know uh, if that's going to be, you know, I think it might be a sucker bet for, for fantasy owners. Like, I don't know if. <laughs> if he's going to be that productive guy week in and week out. be great for us if he was, but I don't know if he will be. This is the problem with fantasy, right? Because, of course, I don't want him to get anything close to an 87-yard touchdown this weekend. <laughs> but right. if he did, I'd be like, well, I'm glad he's on my team. But that's why I don't so. play fantasy, because that stuff to me, that just happens to me all the time. You know, I'll be yeah. that guy lucky enough to get Mr. Hot Guy off the waiver wire, and then he won't do a thing for me. And I had right. to cut somebody to hang on to him and, all the rest. That's yeah. why I don't play fantasy football anymore. It's just <laughs> there's just way much, way too much that goes into it for it to be fun for me. So it's just plus it's it is hard. Like and I really I I um, I try to put a lot of Broncos on my team, which usually screws me in the end. But right. <laughs> it. But at least I'm at least I'm cheering for my guys. I hate to cheer for the uh, you know the the and I never put a rival on. I refuse to put a real rival. So you know a oh, good yeah. guy from another team doesn't bother me, but. A, a guy from a team I hate, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That reminds me of uh, there was a commercial. I don't know if it was a beer commercial or whatever it was, but this this whole like football viewing party of people are together and they're all like watching the game and their team gets scored on. Like the team, yeah. I guess it was like a huge moment in the game or whatever. One person in the whole room starts freaking out. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, dude, what the hell? And he's like, that guy's on my fantasy team. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you don't want to be that guy, you know, especially yeah, when right. you're at a party full of people cheering for the team that just got scored on. That's the other thing I don't like about fantasy football. It turns you into a fan of people that aren't on your team. And that's, yeah, right. Uh, you know, like I sometimes know. you're rooting against your team, so it helps your fantasy squad. I just like, nope, that's why I stick to the pick'em game. I either get it right or I get it wrong, but I'm not cheering for either team either way. You know, it's just, I like it. It's it's simple, it's cleaner, and it doesn't take hours and hours of thought to be able to pick uh, winners <laughs> and things like that. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's good. 
So, all right. So thanks, Lori, once again for, for coming on the show. Um, good luck it's, to your uh, team. Yes, you know, I, I always say uh, good luck. I, I don't mean it at all whatsoever, but, you know, <laughs> Neither do I. I, I do also <laughs> always say, you know, I hope for the best for your team, and I mean that for the weeks before and the week after this week. I hope Osweiler <laughs> dies like the dog that he is and that he will not <laughs> succeed against and my trust team. Me. There's not a Broncos fan who doesn't hope for the worst for Jay Cutler. So. Right. You know, oh, God, <laughs> I forgot all about that. We could have spent a half hour just on that conversation alone. I but, know. Uh, Jay Cutler is not loved, not even close in Denver. So right. it's a good thing for him the game is in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that will do it for us, uh, Lori. All right. Um, well, it's great to talk to you. I, yes. Um, look forward to, to doing it again. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 find a reason to have you back on. I've been thinking about trying to get everybody back on after the season to kind of yeah. go over the aftermath of of everything and uh And we could you know, we could do you could do a whole show on John Foxisms. Yeah, we could do that. I'll uh, I'll be sure to start <laughs> jotting them down uh for you. And, I'll go uh, back and look up my old favorites too. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll 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 plan on doing that. We'll we'll figure out a reason to have you have you back on. <laughs> Uh, once oh, again, so so thanks for for joining us this morning. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Larry. Lori Lattimore Volkman from the Mile High Report on SB Nation, week number eleven, talking Bears and Broncos. All right, I'll try to keep this short because I see the episode is running a little bit long. Um, just some keys and things that I want to see on Sunday when the Bears battle the uh, the Broncos. Uh, n- number one, we have to be tenacious on the defensive side of the ball. Brock Osweiler, he's a rook. You know, for the for lack of a better term, he's a rookie. I mean, he's been in the league a few years, but he hasn't played. This is going to be his first start. He's going to have those first start jitters. It's going to be a big task because he's got. There's a lot at stake. They're seven and two. They're you know they're well ahead in their division right now, but. They're two games behind um, New England. They're a game behind Cincinnati as far as home field advantage in the in the conference goes. That you know they don't want to lose ground because it's very hard to make it up. You know when you've got New England and Cincinnati ahead of you with the way that they're playing right now. He's on the road. He's in hostile territory. The running game is not that great, and you know the Bears are trending up, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So this was he's ripe for the picking. We need to get after him, get after him early, get him shaken, get him with the happy feet, force him to make a mistake. He did throw an interception in his limited duty against Kansas City on Sunday, one of six turnovers that the Broncos had uh, on Sunday. So he's not perfect. He'll be mistake prone. We just got to get after him, force some of those mistakes, and we got to you know uh, capitalize on them. Only we've got like the eighth ranked defense in the entire NFL right now, only 15 sacks through nine games. That is ridiculous. Okay. And remember, we had four of those against Russell Wilson in week four. So in the last, you know, seven weeks, we've had 12 sacks or something like that. It's, it's not good. We have to do much better, much, much better uh, than that. So I'd like to see us put a big chunk of uh, sacks onto that total. Uh, by the end of this game um, on defense we're also going to be want to be wary of the run game now the Broncos might be 29th in the league uh, running the football with the Bears are 25th in defending it so Gary Kubiak is probably to try to take some pressure off that quarterback you heard me talk about it with Lori 
maybe try to rely on the run early on. So it'll be very important for the Bears to smash the run early and often, stifle it, put the game in Brock Osweiler's hands and you know force him to try to take it from us. And that's where I believe we get after him, force the mistakes, take control of the football game. And on offense, it's it's simple. You know, I'm not even going to sit here and talk about finishing drives or anything like that. That's a given. But what's most important is avoiding mistakes. And in, in mistakes, the, the two big ones, turnovers and penalties. We're playing the number one defense in the NFL. These guys get after the quarterback. They pressure the quarterback. They smash the quarterback. You know, they're also solid against the run uh, as well. So it's it's going to be imperative, imperative that we – minimize the mistakes to an to absolute minimum you know if we get big plays you know if we get a 12 or 15 yard run we can't have it coming back because of a holding penalty or you know something to that degree you know we can't have a big pass play coming back because of a cut block or holding penalty you know whatever the whatever it may be we need to minimize the mistakes jay's been playing his smartest football his best football of his career he needs to continue to do that against the the Broncos even when he's under pressure hang on to the ball take the sack live to fight another day you know punt the ball live to fight you know live to fight another uh, series and, and things like that that's what that's what's more important than anything this week obviously we want to get the ball we want to move it down the field we want to put the ball in the end zone but you have to have the ball in order to be able to do that so we want to minimize the mistakes we don't want to do the one step forward two step back thing you know getting a 16 yard run but after we add the the holding penalty to it maybe we've only gained about three you know that kind of thing so it's it's one of those um that's the one thing we want to focus there and then obviously on special teams we need them to play more like they did against st louis with the coverage that they, you know, held on to Tavon Austin on punt returns and things like that. Um, you know, no Mark Mariani fumbles this week. That would be outstanding. Uh, we don't want to give Osweiler and, and the Broncos short fields to, to deal with, you know, to give this uh, kid any, any reason to get pumped up or get any kind of confidence built up. You know, if anything... No disrespect to the Broncos. We want to take the approach that I said we should have against the Lions, which is to get after him early and often. Don't allow him to get confident. Don't allow any big plays. You know, just make him struggle and fight and dig for every single thing that he gets. That, unfortunately, was not what happened against Detroit. We need that to be what happens against Denver. With Peyton Manning out, it's a difficult but very winnable game for the Bears on Sunday, and they have to strike while the iron is hot, period. So this is, you remember I said last week against the Rams, this is one we got to have with Denver and Green Bay looming. Well, we got to have this one too because it's winnable for us now. I mean, even with Peyton in there, it was winnable for us because he's banged up. But we got to strike while the iron is hot here. We got to do the same thing on Thursday with Green Bay. And, um, you know, looking forward to that game. I really, really am. I, I want to see what happens with the way these two teams are playing right now. With Green Bay on the downswing, the Bears on the upturn, you know. Did Green Bay luck out playing us first at the beginning of the season? We'll see when we battle those guys next week. So um, that's going to do it uh, for the Week 11 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Sorry it ran a little long, uh, guys, a little over an hour when I usually try to keep them between 45 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. Uh, but, you know, Laurie and I, we get to be chatterboxes. And believe it or not, I did trim some of that interview down. It was actually a little bit longer uh, than that. But um, we'll be back. 
Oh, that's actually the other thing I wanted to tell you guys. We're going to come back on Sunday. Because of our limited schedule next week, we're playing on Thanksgiving. You're basically going to get a knee-jerk reaction show from me on Sunday night. I'm going to do the show Sunday night once the afternoon games are done uh, because there is also a possibility that I'm going to be interviewing Evan Western after the Green Bay-Minnesota game on Sunday. We're going to see if we can get our schedules synced up. Otherwise, he'll be, he won't be on the, preview sh- the review show either way. But we could be having an interview on the, review, on the preview show, me and Evan talking after our teams just got done playing uh, for the week to see how that has any effect uh, on the conversation. But um, Evan Western is going to be back for our preview episode next week, which I hope to drop on Wednesday at the latest. Um, we're going to have him on the show. He's already agreed to come back. But the review show is going to be out on Sunday night. Sunday night, so not going to be Monday night or early Tuesday or however it it works out when iTunes finally gets it uploaded and everything like that. It's going to be Sunday night, so basically we're going to be a few hours removed, but it's basically going to be a knee-jerk reaction review show on Sunday, so that should be interesting uh, for me and also for you who get to listen to it because – you know, depending on how this thing take you know turns out, I could be completely jacked one way or the other about the whole thing and how it turned out. So be sure to tune in on Sunday night when I release the review episode and thank the NFL for forcing me to have to do the show early to just so the episodes can breathe a little bit, you know, for the review episode and then the preview for the Thursday night game uh, and everything else. So that is the schedule. Come back on Sunday night when we'll be uh, talking about this game between the Bears and the Broncos. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.